You're listening to She Time Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3, Becoming Courage Molina. Welcome back for another episode of She Time. I'm your host, Alexandra Sampson, wife, mother, lawyer, health coach, and self-care advocate, and founder of the She First Project. I haven't done a plug for the She First Project in a while, so I want to encourage all of our listeners to join the She First Tribe's email list. If you're currently not a member, you can head to shefirstproject.org right now to be added to the list so that you'll be among the first to know about upcoming events and programs hosted by the She First Project. Uh, We have a fabulous lineup of events planned to round out 2018 and ahead for 2019. So I implore you to allow us to be a tool in your self-care kit and get involved and stay in the know with the project. So enough about the She First Project because I could go on about that all day. Let's move into today's episode. So today I'm talking with Courage Molina. Courage is a minister, entrepreneur, coach, speaker, and author based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. She's the founder of Courage Molina Ministries, which she describes as a movement of God to encourage and equip individuals to transform their lives. I met Courage during a Black Girls Gather event hosted by Fort Harriet founder Kimberly Foster in Charlotte. And while Courage and I spoke briefly. Her vibrant personality was infectious. And during that time, she spoke of completing her book, Power Principles, Courageous Living. Courage's transparency in revealing how she was able to overcome depression, save her marriage, and live life anew has been refreshing. And in her book, she provides strategies that will empower and equip women to exchange their struggles for strength. I'm excited to dig into today's episode. So Let's get right to it. And you all know how we start every episode of She Time. So, Courage, what are you sipping on? I am sipping on H2O. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be like a, a, a theme, the beverage of choice for most guests. Um, I'm actually having a little chamomile tea. So, um, okay. trying to get in my zen, I don't know, relaxed kind of <laughs> <laughs> mode or mood here. So, I'm just going to jump right in with your name, Courage. Uh, you know, I think that name really stood out to me. It's, it strikes me as certainly having a lot of meaning behind it from right away. But Courage is not actually, you know, it's your birth name, although it's a name that was given to you based on really who you are. Could you tell us a little bit about Um, How did you get the name Courage? Yes. So actually, I got the name Courage when I was about um, six months old. My um, my aunt, who we call grandma, which is like, that's a whole nother story. She's like, she's a person who gives like all the nicknames. And um, when I was about six months old, I had this outfit that someone sent my mom. And she thought that I looked like the Cowardly Lions from The Wizard of Oz. But um, she believes that there's like really a lot of power in a name and what you call a kid. Mm. And so she didn't want to call me the Cowardly Lion. So she would say, and still does, actually, not would still does, um, says to me, what you got that other than got? And she taught me to say courage. And so my, my family does call me courage, and they have since I was a little girl. So that's uh, how I got that name. <laughs> I love that. And I love the fact that um, 
that one, I'm sure that that was a, definitely a boost to you as a young girl growing up and having that name. And then I, I love the way that you've used it now to really, um, as a part of your personal brand. And um, I think it was, it's really befitting of who you are and, and what you instill in others. And I guess that might be a good way to segue into, if you could tell the listeners a little bit about Courage Molina and your businesses and, and ministries. Yes. So actually, um, what's crazy is that I kind of ran from that name. Like, only my family called me that. I didn't allow my friends or really anyone else to call me that. But as um, life would have it, as God would have it, that's, like, who I was always meant to be, even though I probably, like, was running from it for a while. Um, I went through a very dark season in my life where um, I was severely depressed and um my cousin, who really, um, it's like my brother, we, we lived together when we were little. Our, our moms, our sisters um, was diagnosed with cancer, and that was really hard for me. And so I drank a lot, and, and um, I just didn't think I was going to make it, honestly. And um, when I came out of that, the coming out of that, even though I never thought I would come out of that dark place, the coming out of that, I heard God speaking to me. Um, one morning when I was reading my Bible, and it was like who he had for me to be. It would be unrecognizable to who compared to who I used to be. All of even though I have several brands, they are they all are for the same purpose, right? They are all to uplift, to encourage, and to empower. And it's because greatness is in us. And I remember a time where I couldn't see the greatness in me. And I realize now the impact that I have now that I'm walking in my calling and I feel like if I could light a fire, if I could start a fire in other people and they would also start to walk into their calling, like how could we change the world, right? If everybody was walking in their calling and everyone understood how great they were, um, how many things would we get rid of? Like jealousy and bitterness and, um, you know, unforgiveness. If I know how great I am, I don't need to be upset about what you're doing, there's no need for me to hold a grudge, you know? So yeah. um, so that's kind of how I got into that. Yeah. And I like it because, um, especially the line that you said about not being able to see the greatness in you. And I think so many people can relate to that. And that, uh, especially for women, I think we can be very critical of ourselves. I think there's a lot of um, external pressures, either in the media or maybe typical gender roles or whatever. And I think it's good for, to have an outlet and to have a place and a space where you can be reminded that each one of us has something to offer, you know, to this world. So you talked about there being... <laughs> I guess, seasons of your life that were, you know, challenging. And uh, one of the things that I remember um, that you talked about from the first time I met you was being a teen mom and how that really, you know, transformed your life and I think probably in a lot of ways shapes who you are today. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like being a teen mom? Yes. Um, so, I think a lot of times when people hear like teen mom, they make all these assumptions about um, how how I was raised or what I was doing at the time or that like I didn't have any rules and that that's just not true. Um, for the record, you can get pregnant any time of the day, any day of the week. You don't, It's not like late night after someone's curfew. Um, I actually got 
pregnant during the day when I was supposed to be in school skipping. So it's like people think, you know what I mean? Like people think, oh my gosh, you must have been so, no, I had a curfew. I had to be home. There were grades. Um, there were expectations for my grades. But um, like I just, I never wanted my mom to find out because I felt like the minute this woman finds out that I'm pregnant, I will never get to leave the house again. I can barely leave the house now. So the minute she finds out, that's it. It's going to be a wrap for my whole life. And so I actually didn't say anything. Um, I was in denial for a very long time, like three months. And um, I planned to have like the secret abortion. I didn't want, I had an appointment and just everything kind of fell through. Um, my, and my mom found out. And once my mom found out, you know, my family kind of ra- rallied around me and they were like, you know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to have this abortion. Well, I could come from a long line of teen parents. And my mother was a teen parent, so were my aunts, my grandmother. And I just didn't want that. I'm like, I don't know what y'all talking about. I'm about to have an abortion, friends. Um, I was in ninth grade. I was pregnant in the ninth grade. Okay? Mm-hmm. I was so young that I was too... Dumb. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with that word. I'm gonna go with that. I was too dumb to realize how much work it was gonna be. I seriously thought, okay, I'm gonna graduate on time. I don't know why you people are worried about it. Like, come on, guys. I'm still smart. Um, I did very well in school, and so I was like, when am I gonna be dumb now? Because I had a kid. I'm like, please. Um, but it was a ton of work. But I'm, you know, this is what I needed to do, and it did change me. I didn't have, I didn't have time to not do what I needed to do. Like, there was no time for, like, oh, I'm maybe not going to do my whatever. I'm like, no, I don't have time for that. I need, I'm graduating on time. I'm going to college. And I did graduate on time. It took me a little longer to get to college. But it definitely changed um, the way I felt about, like, work and goal setting. Mm-hmm. It was like, you can do it, but you have to be willing to sacrifice you know, comforts in order to reach your goals sometimes. So there are lots of things that I didn't do, but I also, um, I didn't miss them, right? So I didn't feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm the only one that can't do this. I was like, I am not doing that because this thing over here is more important. Um, I think that she grounded me for sure. Now, you went on to, um, you went on to, Mary, your boyfriend, you know, at the time, how did that um, impact that relationship? So actually, um, and this is, this is in the book, so it's not really something that I've shared a lot before, but now that it's out, I can share, I tell share it on this podcast. Uh, my husband, <laughs> my husband is actually um, not Micah's biological father, which is like bananas, right? So uh, the super short version is that, um, I really, really liked my husband. Um, I, well, he wasn't my husband then, obviously. I really, really liked uh, this guy. I was dating Mike. I really liked him. But we didn't get to see each other. And there was another guy in my neighborhood that I liked. And so we were fooling around, and Mike and I were not. So when I got pregnant, when I found out I was pregnant, I knew I was not pregnant by Mike because, well, we hadn't done anything. And he dumped me, which, I mean, can you blame him? He was also a teen at the time, and he was like, what? My click. So he dumped me after a few weeks, because Mike, Mike and I had been dating for a while. After a few weeks, um, you know, he called, and he was like, you know what? I'm going to try and make this work. And I was like, you know what? I come from a place where there are multiple um, 
baby that is for one woman. And I just like, I don't want to get in a situation where Mike is calling you dad and then it doesn't work out for us. So I'm like, I know you said you're going to try, but try doesn't really work for me. And I was like, I was 15 saying these things like try doesn't work for me. And he was like, he understood. But then in like a few weeks later, we were like, nah, let's just do it. And he said he was in, he said he was all in and he has been ever since he went to doctor's appointments. When I had Micah, um, he was at the hospital. Um, he slept at the hospital overnight and, um, it was just like, he just made this decision. He was so young. He just made this decision that he loved me and he was going to love Micah. And that was it. And Mm. that was it. And that was it. He didn't help make this kid but I could call on him anytime and he was there. That's insane. And he was 18, right? Like who does that? Who says I'm going to take this responsibility? I'm going to be responsible for somebody else's kid. And you were supposed to be my girlfriend. Like that just does not happen. (laughs) That doesn't happen. And so that definitely had a huge impact on our relationship. And and so we've been together ever since. Mm. And I love that. Right. Yeah. And I don't know your husband, but I just that speaks volumes about who he is, his level of commitment, you know, his character. I mean, that I'm like, I don't know him, but, I, you know, I know a, a little bit from that, you know. <laughs> yes. Bananas. Yes. So I want to segue into the book because um, as we t- kind of have alluded to so far in the episode that you authored a book named Power Principles, Courageous Living. And um, I know that it covers areas or, or various principles that you've used to overcome challenges in your own life. And I just want to know if you could talk to our listeners a little bit about, you know, about the book, what they can expect to get from it. The book is about, you know, these principles that helped me to, um, overcome depression that helped me to um, save my marriage and really to get to a place where I wanted to go after my dreams, not just like live or just survive kind of. And they're not like, they're not like principles where I went to a course or I had these things. I just, I got to a really good place in my life and I looked back and I was like, Hey, how did I get here? Like, let's do some investigating. How did I get to such a great place? Because I remember there was a time where it wasn't a great place. And um, so the book really covers areas of my life that I feel like it's really important for you to understand, not just for my life, but for your own life too. So um, there are five principles and they cover identity. So I start with who I am and where I come from, because how you grew up and the things that you experienced as a child, they color the lenses of like how you see life and how you process things, right? So we're not just what we go through. We're also who we were when we went through that thing, right? Like, and so when you go through difficult things, if you don't know who you are, you kind of respond according to who you believe yourself to be. Um, once I realized that the power identity, you know, really is in knowing who God says I am, that changed everything. And I want to so, pause right so there real quick. Like because, you know, I think that identity is certainly an important starting point. And I think even as I think about for self-care, um, I, I think the starting point for many women is really that self-identification piece and needing to first figure out, well, who you are and what makes you tick and what doesn't. And I think that's where, from a self-care perspective, that self-care starts because you have to know who you are in order to know, you know, how to take care of you. Yeah. Oh, yes. 
All right, so sorry. Yes. <laughs> Keep going. No, that's okay. That, but that's, it's very true. That's the starting point. Like everything hinges, you know, whatever transformation you're, you are looking for, uh, it, it all hinges on who you believe you are because we experience what we believe, right? Yeah. Those things can keep you from progressing if you don't forgive other people and if you don't forgive yourself. So that's the second principle. Um, once I realized who I was, because, okay, so I was depressed. Um, I dealt with infidelity in my marriage. I dealt with um, my dad being an alcoholic. Um, I dealt with um, making decisions that weren't good decisions for myself or for my marriage. And even once I knew who I was, it was still difficult for me to move on because I was still chained to past mistakes and past hurts. And so I realized that in order to get past that, I had to truly forgive the people who had hurt me because it wasn't about them. It was about my own freedom. And I also had to forgive myself. So if you are, like, holding on to stuff, you cannot live your best life. If you're holding on to that past hurt, and I used to think, well, if a person doesn't ask for forgiveness, then I'm not going to give it. Okay, that's fine, but that forgiveness is a noose around your own neck. It's, you know, it's a weight on your ankle. It's not hurting them. They, they out there living. And then, like, having faith, having the faith to, to say, okay, I've realized that I've been called to do something, but now I have to put my faith in action. I should see faith. I should see the evidence of faith in your life by the way you're living, right? So Alex believes that she's been called for something. If she's moving without certainty, that is the evidence of faith in her life. She's not sure, but she's doing this thing. Um, my marriage wasn't great. Um, things were actually horrible. I even moved out at one point. But when I started to put my faith into action, uh, I treated my husband like the man God called him to be even if he wasn't being that man, because I was believing God for change, right? Yeah, so the power of that type of faith, you know, um, the importance of relationships, I never would have gotten through my depression. I mean, I used to, I couldn't get out the bed. I didn't want to live. If it weren't for people who refused to, to leave me alone, because that's what you're thinking when you're depressed, like, I wish I would leave me alone. If it weren't for that, I never would have made it through, right? Um, and not just your relationships with people, but I used to speak death over my life. So I realized that my relationship with words are very important. And, um, and you know, and then like that growth is required, right? So if I'm going to, if I'm going to, if you're going to save your marriage, if you're going to get out of depression, if you're going to start a business, if you're going to have impact, then um, growth is, is not optional. It's required. And so um, being okay with saying, I don't know how to do this. I need help. Uh, doing some research, taking a class, taking a course, whether it's online or in person, getting a coach, um, reading a book or 10 books or whatever, growth is required for for whatever it is you're trying to do. That's really um, what the book is about, like how to use those things and and uh, how to use them so that you can change your life, yeah. understanding the importance and the impact they can have on you. So. Yeah. And I like those of so those five areas, identity, forgiveness, faith, relationships and growth. And, you know, um, when I first started to read about the book and I, I noticed that those were the five areas and I know that you also did probably a while back now, um, kind of a Facebook um, live, you know, um, video kind of going through each of those. I was like, wow, you know, when you think about those things and you hear them presented together, it's so impactful. And I think in and of themselves, they're probably things that make sense 
but I don't think we necessarily think about them as a package and as, um, as right. you know, principles that we should be daily thinking about how to be more focused on in our lives. And yeah. um, I just think it's really powerful. And I think there's certainly, as I think about those five areas, there's some that, hey, okay, that's a little bit of a stretch for me, you know, <laughs> or at times <laughs> I'm like, okay, I need to, you know, okay, forgiveness, okay, we're going to have to really, you know, work on that more, you know, and, and sometimes even with these different areas, they may resonate differently with different people. You know, it may be easier to forgive some people than others. It may be easier to exercise faith in some situations as opposed to others. And I think it's just uh, a good reminder to constantly um, keep pursuing those things and being able to see the power, you know, hence power principles to see the power that they can produce in our lives. And so this is, you know, for those listening Power Principles is out now, so you can get your copy yes. on Amazon, and um, at the end, encourage yes. will give us additional details about how we can, you know, keep up with her and, and, and certainly access the book. But before we wrap, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about self-care, and I know that that's an area that we're all continually working on. Do you have any self-care routines or things that, you know, you do just for you? I stink at self-care. It's like... If there was any area of my life that I was giving a grade to, like I was grading my life, like, oh, you got an A in that section, a B in that section. Um, self-care, I'm probably getting like a high F. Like if an F is a 59, then I probably got a 59. Mm. <laughs> if a D is a 60, I'm probably getting a 59. Um, and it's just because like that's not something that you think of. You know, that's not how I got um that's not how I got through college not how I got through high school thinking about self-care I was always like very work driven and um nobody taught me about self-care it's not something that we hear especially I think in the African-American community the only time I ever heard me time was like on tv and it was always um someone that was rich and it was never a woman who looked like me Mm. right and um and so it was like well that's what they do that that's not what we do we are strong we work we don't take time off we don't take breaks and so I kind of grew up in that. But um, if you do not take care of yourself, your body will shut down. That's like true. it will say we are done. I've been in the hospital as a result of just lack of self-care, not of any like real illness, just stress and anxiety. Um, living in my body, not having any outlet for it. Um, I mean, I just, I just stung at self-care. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really uh, doing a lot more like thinking about it I can't say I'm doing a lot of a lot of it but I think mm-hmm. about it more <laughs> well, awareness is the doing. start right <laughs> that's where everything starts from being aware <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking about it y'all I'm necessarily doing it but I am I think about it way more than I ever thought about it before um there are a few things that I do um kind of sporadically or when I can feel like okay your body's going to shut down if you don't do something and it's going to be so crazy right so um I sing and I and I don't mean like oh I kind of sing a little bit I mean I put on my headphones there noise canceling I crank the music up cuz I can't so I can't hear myself cuz I'm a horrible singer and I just lay in my bed and I belt it out my poor family I mean, uh, I, I don't know it. how they do. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> I don't know how they do with it. But singing, like I love music so much, and when I am done with whatever playlist I've chosen for that session, I just I feel better. You know, I feel relaxed. I feel like okay, whatever you were dealing with, it's done. You can figure it out now. 
and dancing. Right, so I'm just like everything, so it's right about music. Now I do have a little rhythm, so I'm not just in here looking. Right. But, um, but singing and dancing, those two things are so huge for me. Um, and then the thing that I do kind of a little bit more regularly is my Miracle Morning. That, when I do those Miracle Morning, like that is everything. Mm-hmm. That is, And I don't know why I don't do it every day, because it sets my day up. Um, it sets my thoughts up. And it allows me to think about the things that I'm worried about or things that I need to release. It just gives me time to love myself, you know? Yeah. So. So, okay. Well, so what is Miracle Morning? Okay. So Miracle Morning is this book by um, some Hal Elrod, I think. And it's basically an acronym, uh, Lifesavers, right? So um, you do these six activities every day and you can find it on a website. They'll tell you what the six activities are. S is for silence, so I start my morning with prayer, and I write in a prayer journal, which is amazing to connect with my creator first thing in the morning. Um, Affirmations, um, and then visualizing, exercise, which is when I dance, and I do dance at like 4 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Reading, and you can read anything that you want. It's just really about like your own growth. And then scribing, so like writing in the journal. And the journaling is not supposed to be about things that you didn't do well or like sad things. They're supposed to be like things that you're extremely grateful for, um, goals that you have, um, something that you notice. Even if it's something like exciting about someone else. Um, Like, oh, my goodness, so-and-so just won an award, and I absolutely love her, and I've been following her. So I'm going to write that in my journal because those are things that like make you feel warm and fuzzy. Um, and you can do those activities like five minutes each, or when I do it, I dedicate two hours for that, for those six activities. Um, so I really have time to like dig in. And so, uh, that has completely changed my life, completely changed my life. I like question. that. I'm, a, I, I'm yeah. jotting down the notes for the six things. Cause those are things that I, I probably do in some form, but have not really, you know, um, thought about them in that way and you know I know you have a two-hour routine but th- there are also things that you could do if you have less time you know you can yes you know say a few affirmations or you can you know okay I'm gonna write down five quick things that I'm grateful for you know what have you yes. so listen I put it in six minutes like I overslept but I absolutely have to get the six minutes in because I overslept which means the rest of my day is going to be crazy and so um, I've done it in six minutes one minute for for each thing Okay. Okay, so on the spot question as we wrap here, complete this sentence, all right? Courage Molina is becoming. Courage Molina is becoming exactly who God has called her to be. I like it. Short, sweet, accurate. There we go. <laughs> All right, Curtis. Well, before we wrap, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? You can find me everywhere, friends. I'm on Facebook, Courage Molina, Instagram, Courage Molina, YouTube, Courage Molina. Um, what other things are there? Twitter. I'm Crown Courage on Twitter. And um, I also have a podcast. You can Google me, which I love saying, actually, Courage Molina. <laughs> 
<laughs> there you go. And and don't forget, please go out and get Power Principles, Courageous Living. Um, and I've been really inspired by a courageous story. And I know we don't have enough time on this podcast to go into all of the details of just really the transformation of her life and the story. But that's why you need to get the book, because you can get a lot more yeah. um, of the details from there. But Courage, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, it's great to have you on and excited to dig into the book. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Um, this has been amazing, and, and I just um, I hope that people will um, take what they, they've gotten from this and, and apply it, because that's really where you see change. So thanks so much for allowing me to share. Thanks for tuning in to She Time. Be sure to visit shefirstproject.org backslash podcast to access the show notes for today's episode. Also, don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice to subscribe, rate, and review the show. And sharing is caring, so feel free to share this episode with a friend. I love connecting with our listeners and members of the She First Tribe, so be sure to like and follow the She First Project on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching She First Project. And if you have any suggestions for topics or guests, you'd like to see featured on the show, please reach out to us at admin, A-D-M-I-N, at shefirstproject.org. Well, I can't wait for you to join me back here next week for another episode of She Time. Until then, take care.